Hi there, I'm Lane and this is Property Explained. These are my words and now I'm going to read them to you. Episode 31, how to build passive income through property investment. If you ask most people why they first became interested in investing, the number one answer they'll likely give you is passive income. And our internal research shows that passive income is the top driver for 41.1% of all our property investors. That not only shows that investors are interested in a passive income, but also that people who want to build a passive income are interested in property. So let's get started. How are people using property to build a passive income? Firstly, what is passive income? Passive income is when you continue to get paid once you stop working, essentially. On top of that, a true passive income takes little effort to maintain once the income source is set up. So among other things, the source of your passive income could be dividends from shares, returns from a business or side hustle, or rent received from your rental properties. The main similarity between all of these things is that you don't have to be physically present to earn that income. In essence, passive income is when you are no longer trading time for money. So you step away from all your other investments, the money still comes in. Now let's take a look at property versus other asset classes, because if you're considering using property investment as a source of your passive income, then you may be wondering how property compares with other investment types. In terms of property, there tends to be two types. On the one hand, you have properties that go up in value more quickly, but earn less cash each week. So i.e. they have a lower yield. This is what we call lower yields. On the other hand, you have properties that earn more cash now, but appreciate in value more slowly. If you're using investment property to earn a passive income, then once you're ready to focus on cash now, you'll tend to invest in yield properties. Gross yields can vary widely, but from our experience at Opus Partners, a yield property in the current market might earn around 6% of its purchase price. That means that if a property was worth $600,000, we would expect the rent to be $692 a week. The way you calculate this is 600K times 6%, which equals $36,000 annually. Divide that by 52 and you get 692 a week. However, you can't keep all of that. And that's because you also have operating costs. And these are the costs to actually run your property investment business. So these are the things like rates, insurance, property management, and maintenance, among others. But it's usually safe to estimate that these operating costs might add up to about 2% of the value of your purchase price each year. That means you are likely to have a net yield of 4%, that's the gross yield of 6%, minus 2% for operating costs. This is usually the money that you can take home for your passive income. That means that if you had a $600,000 yield property without a mortgage secured against it, it would likely pay you $24,000 annually before tax. And the benefit of using property as a source of your passive income is that it is stable and predictable. Your tenant is always going to pay you the exact same amount every week or every fortnight. And the cost of this predictability is that that property, in some years, will be lower yielding compared with other yield-specific shares. And this is what takes us to our next asset class of shares. So the income earned from shares is called dividends, and they're a bit simpler to calculate than property. And this is because you don't have to subtract operating costs. A dividend is a straight payment to you as the shareholder from the company that you own a stake in. However, the yield taken from shares is highly variable. And this is because A, the price of an individual share can vary hour to hour, and people who are able to buy a stock when it's cheap will find they have a better yield than people who buy it when it's comparatively more expensive. And B, some shares have very high yields, while some stocks don't pay a dividend at all. For instance, as of the end of December 2019, of the 172 shares available on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, 
36.6% didn't pay a dividend in the 12 months prior. And of those that did pay a dividend, the yields range from 0.31% from Allied Farmers all the way up to 51.72% from Sky Network TV. This means the average yield was 3.39% for all shares and 5.35% from those shares that paid a dividend. So the benefit of shares is that if you focus on higher yielding stocks, the dividend yield that you can get is likely to be higher than the property in some years. However, dividends can be much more volatile and they will change based on each company's performance. A good case study for this is Air New Zealand. In the 12 months prior to December 2019, the company had the highest yielding stock at 16.42%, which is an enormous return. However, after the COVID-19 induced shutdown and the closing of New Zealand's borders, it is now unlikely the company will pay out a dividend for many years. Tenants, on the other hand, will continue to pay their rent because they still require a place to live. If they stop paying you, you have the ability to replace them with a tenant who can make rent and the original tenant will still be liable for what they owe you. And the final option for passive income generating investments that I'm going to explore today is fixed interest term deposits. And this is where you invest your money with a bank and they will pay you interest on that investment. The thing with term deposits is that you almost, kind of, get the best of both worlds. Like shares, there are no operating costs, so the money that you get is all yours. Although, like property, the income is very secure. And that means that you're highly likely to keep getting the income from that investment, even if the economy takes a turn for the worst. So the benefit of fixed interest is that the income source is secure, however, the actual yield is pretty inferior. The right asset class for you will depend on how much risk you are willing to take on. For instance, although property is not always going to be the highest yielding asset class, it does have a mix of yield and stability of income, which can make it a good option for people who are willing to take on a moderate amount of risk. If you are more risk-seeking, then you might be willing to seek the higher yields that shares can bring. As part of seeking those higher returns, you'll accept that passive income you get from your dividends will go up and down each year and frequently change. Similarly, if you are very risk-adverse, then investing with a bank may be the right fit for you. In this case, your income will be totally predictable, and for that, you will accept their lower yield. We tend to find that many Kiwis, when weighing their options, will opt for property, which has the mix of yield and income security. From this point on, I'm only going to discuss property as an investment vehicle to build this passive income. And that's because that's what we specialize in here at Opus Partners. If you feel like your risk appetite is more suited for shares or fixed interest, then the rest of this article may not be of that much use to you. But if investment property has piqued your interest, then keep on listening because this is where it gets really good. If you are using property to build this passive income, then you need to build a level of debt-free assets to make serious money. And by that I mean you need investment properties that don't have a mortgage. And this is because, as I've mentioned earlier, a property with a gross yield of 6% might have 2% of operating costs, leaving you with a 4% net yield. But if you are borrowing 100% of the purchase price of the property and the interest rate on your mortgage is 3%, then this leaves you with just 1% in cash each year after you pay your mortgage. So now the equation becomes 6% rent minus 2% operating costs minus 3% interest equals 1% cash left to take home with you. This means on a $600,000 property, that's just six grand a year or $115 a week. And that's just not going to change your life, let's be real. If you want an annual income of 60k, 
then you're going to need to buy 10 of these properties, and that is also unrealistic for many Kiwis. Instead, if you owned the property and didn't have the mortgage against it, then you would earn 24000 annually from the property after costs. To make the same sixty grand of passive income, you'd only need 2.5 of these properties, and that's $1.5 million worth of debt-free assets. This demonstrates that if you want a decent passive income, then you need to own properties with very little debt secured against them. Or said in another way, you need to have a lot of equity built up in your properties. If you own properties that are highly geared, then the interest costs will take away most of the income that you would otherwise enjoy. So how do you calculate the level of assets that you need? First, let's take the annual passive income that you want to live on. Then we're going to divide that number by 4%, or 0.04. That will give you the level of debt-free assets that you need. To give a working example, let's say that you want an annual income of 100 grand in today's money. Once you divide that by 4%, you get the answer of $2.5 million worth of debt-free assets. That's what you need, $2.5 million worth of high-yielding property, pay rates, insurance, maintenance, body corporate, and any other expenses to make you 100 grand every year before tax. And if you're like most people, you'll be thinking, okay, that's great, but I don't have $2.5 million worth of debt-free assets. That's fine. That's where you can use property investment to get to the point where you do have the assets that you need. But before I move on to how to build a portfolio that creates the assets that you need, we have to talk about inflation. Because over time, the cost of most things increases. Think of it this way. 40 years ago, a 50-cent ice cream was massive. 20 years later, that would barely be the cone. The point is, the price of things go up. So what was $100 this year won't be $100 in 20 years. And this matters because when you're trying to create a passive income for your future, you can't just think in terms of the income that you want today. For instance, if you want a passive income of 50 grand to start in 20 years from now, you can't just divide 50 grand by 4% and be done with it. Because by the time 20 years has passed, 50 grand won't buy you the same amount of stuff that 50 grand can buy you today. In fact, based on the 2% inflation factor that's often used, it would only buy you $33,649 worth of stuff in today's money. So first you need to figure out how much income do I want in the future? And then you need to figure out how much income do I need in the future to buy the equivalent of how much money I want in the future now? And once you've done that, then you can divide the new number by 4%. To keep it real simple, you can use an inflation calculator, which is linked in the article that you're listening to. But as an example, if you want to build a passive income of 50 grand and you want that in 20 years, then you need to aim for $74,297. Multiply that by 25 and you will need $1.86 million worth of debt-free assets to generate that passive income. Inflation is an odd concept for many people. It's kind of obvious when you're looking back, just thinking about how big a 50 cent lolly would have been back in the day. But looking forward, it's really harder to see the same thing happening in 20 years time. And that's just because it hasn't happened yet. But that doesn't mean that it won't happen. And it's vital that you factor inflation in now because you don't want to get to 20 years in the future and realize that you've aimed short of what you really wanted. To build a significant level of debt-free assets as a long-term buy-and-hold investor, you will likely want to focus on properties that go up in value very quickly. As mentioned, two types of properties are available to most investors. You've got growth and you've got yield. A growth property is one that will increase in value more quickly over time, but will attract a lower rental yield. On the other hand, a yield property is one that's going to attract a higher rental yield, but will increase in value more slowly. 
When you eventually start to enjoy your passive income, you'll probably be using yield properties to get the 4% mat that I talked about earlier. But to build the assets you need to create that level of passive income, most Kiwis will invest in growth properties first and then switch to yield later. Let me walk through a case study to show you why this is true. Within this example, I'm going to assume that your goal is to build wealth through a buy and hold property investment strategy. And let's say you can purchase a property worth 500 grand and you'll be borrowing at 100%. That means you're not putting any cash in as a deposit. You could purchase a growth property and this is expected to appreciate at 5% annually, but the property will be cash flow neutral. So it will earn $0 a week. It won't earn anything. On the other hand, you can invest in a yield property that is forecast to appreciate at 3% annually and will make $100 a week in cash flow. Which one will be better off in 15 years? Well, in 15 years, your growth property is forecast to be worth $1,039,464 and the yield property is forecast to be worth $778,984 with an additional seventy-eight grand in cash saved. In both examples, you still have a $500,000 mortgage. So once the mortgages are paid off, investing in the growth property will have earned this investor $539,000 more whereas the yield property would have netted 356 grand, give or take a few hundred. This means the growth property provided a 51.12% better total return than the yield property. And this is why, to create the assets needed to generate a passive income, it pays for a long-term buy-and-hold investor to focus on growth properties first. And these properties tend to be standalone houses or townhouses located in the main cities of New Zealand, Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton and Christchurch. Now I'm going to read you a case study of how to build a passive income using a property portfolio. And I'm going to use myself as an example. Let's say that me and my wonderful partner are both 40 and we want to retire in 20 years with an annual passive income of 100 grand. We're aiming big because we want to retire five years earlier than the current age of superannuation entitlement by living off our rental income for the rest of our lives as well as still leaving some of this inheritance to our 10 children. So how do we do this? Step one. I'm going to adjust the income that I want for inflation. So I'm going to use the inflation calculator. Again, there's a link in the article that you're listening to. And I can see the inflation factor is 1.49. So I'm going to need to aim for $149,000 worth of passive income to be able to live the same life on the same income that I live on today, which is $100,000. Step two is to calculate the amount of debt-free assets that I need. So I'm going to multiply my $149,000 by 4%. And this says I'm going to need just shy of $4 million worth of debt-free assets to create that passive income, based on a 4% net yield. Now I'm going to map out my property portfolio. And remember, I'm looking to create a bucket load of equity. A quick note, the average person is likely going to have a few other assets to help them get to their goal, like shares or savings or KiwiSaver. But let's assume, just for the sake of this case study, that I have nothing and I solely want to use only property to create my passive income. I'm going to aim to buy five properties over the next 20 years leading up to my retirement. And I'm gonna start by investing in a Christchurch townhouse worth 500 grand. If this property goes 5% every year, in 20 years, it'll be worth 1.32 million. It would have $827,000 worth of equity in it, even if I used an interest-only loan and I didn't pay back any of the debt. This means that this one Christchurch property is projected to create 22% of the equity I need to achieve my passive income goal. So I buy a second. Now let's say the year after I buy an $800,000 property in Auckland. And this also grows at 5% a year. 
I'm going to be holding this property for one year less than my Christchurch property, but that doesn't matter because it's a higher value asset and so it's going to create more equity for me in the long run. So in 20 years, it'll be worth $2.2 million, creating $1.22 million worth of equity. That fills up 33% of my overall equity goal. This means with only two investment properties, I'm 55% of the way to my equity goal to make my passive income dream a reality. Great stuff. So now I'm going to look to buy my third, fourth and fifth property. The third might be a high-yielding Wellington apartment worth $750,000. It's a high-yielding property, which means it's going to give me an excellent cash flow to help me cover the costs of my other two. But I'm only going to be holding it for 18 years, and it's going to grow at 3% a year, which means it'll be worth $1.28 million and have created $527,000 worth of equity. This is the least amount of capital growth, but that's okay because I'm covering myself for risks like interest rates rising or unexpected maintenance costs of my other two properties. Now I'm looking to four and five. In three years after purchasing my Wellington property, I'm going to buy an $800,000 Hamilton property. Five years after that, I'm going to invest in my last investment property, and that's going to be another Hamilton property worth $1 million. Of these two, the first one will fill 23% of my equity gap, and the second will fill 15% even if I use a more conservative growth rate of 4.5% for the second one. Okay, I know this sounds like a lot. I'm kind of out of breath reading it. But now let's fast forward in time. Me and my partner are now 60, the kids are all grown, and we are ready to retire. Because we've followed this strategy, our properties are worth a combined $7.84 million, with a total equity worth 3.99 mil. That's above our initial goal. In fact, we're sitting at about 107%. And the reason why I wanted to produce more equity was because while I've been building my portfolio, I've been primarily focusing on growth properties. But remember, to create my 100 grand a year passive income, I need yield properties. This means now that I'm 60, I'm going to be selling all of my growth properties to buy high yielding properties instead. And these are probably going to be apartments or room by room rentals near universities, hospitals and significant employment areas. Because of sales costs and fees, I'm going to budget around $235,000 to give to the real estate agent. I'm going to buy about three to four high-yielding properties, which I'll have no debt on. So all in, I'm going to be left with just shy of $3.76 million worth of equity to invest. And based on the 4% net yield, I'm going to earn a passive income of $150,400 every year, which will go up as the rent of my properties increase. In today's dollars, that's the equivalent of earning $101,100 every year without having to work a single day. So now I'm 60, I'm retired, I earn 100k a year in passive income, and I'll have this income forever and ever until I eventually pass on or die. Then my children will have to split the inheritance between them. This is what is possible with a property portfolio. If it's something that you're interested in, get in contact with us here at Opus Partners to have a chat. Good luck. Good luck.